But today, welcome back as we complete our kind of our look at Psalm 23 here in the year 2023. And already last week, we saw that this psalm that's very often been linked to the dying is not a psalm for the dying. It's a psalm for the living, right? It's a psalm about life and a very living relationship with God. And last week, we saw how David was talking about God in the field. And in the field, he followed the shepherd and he found provision and rest and peace and restoration and guidance. But as it would happen, David doesn't stay in the field by the green meadows and the still waters. The psalm changes in verse 4 and it heads towards a dark valley. Suddenly things become a little bit uncomfortable and unpredictable and things don't go according to plan. And doesn't that sound a little bit like life? Right? I mean, we would love to live, wouldn't we? Like from mountaintop to mountaintop and skip all the valleys in between, wouldn't we? Wouldn't it just be so nice? Because I don't know a lot of people who love the valley. I don't know a lot of people who like they're in the valley and they're like, yes, I love it. It's so dark and uncomfortable and I can't see where I'm going and nothing's going according to plan. Thank you, Jesus. No, what do we do in the valley? We pray a different kind of prayer. We're like, Lord, get me out of here. Right, it's in the valley, we're like, oh Lord, this is horrible, and I didn't plan this, and this is not what I had in mind, and this is not how I saw my future, and Lord, why is this happening to me? In the valley, we pray a very different kind of prayer. But church, all of us, all of us face valleys. Every single one of us. Look at someone and say, you're going to face a valley. Some of you, you were like, I know because I'm in one <laughs> right now. But the truth is all of us are either in one or headed into one or coming out of one. Every one of us in this room, we're in the valley. We're looking because it's coming or we're busy coming out of it. But valley, the valley experience is part of life. And I wonder if... Psalm 23 gives us any insight in how to respond when we're in this valley. What do we do when life goes off script and things start falling apart and it gets messy and complicated and things are not going according to our plan? What do we do? David puts it like this in Psalm 23 verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, something significant that changes the moment that David enters this dark valley is suddenly he stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. And isn't that so true? <laughs> How many of you know that it's in the valley God gets really personal? Like he's no longer a concept. He's not something that we just talk about. Now he's someone we talk to. Now he's someone we listen to, we depend on, we lean on, we seek him out. It's very often in the valley that our relationship with God becomes super personal and it moves away from a concept into something that's very real and very loving and very necessary. You know, as I've spoken to different people in my life and I've asked them about their faith story, so many people have told me, about their worst moments in their life and how it's there that they found faith. It's when everything else was shaken and taken away that they found God, that they found He's real, that God, again, was no longer a concept, but something 
very real. And David says, even in this valley, you are with me. Church, did you realize that it's a shepherd who's with the sheep in the valley, which means they're in the valley because a shepherd led them there. And I know that feels uncomfortable. We're like, hey, God, why are you leading me here? I don't want to be here in this valley. But no matter what valley you're facing, here's the first truth. God's with you. He's there in the valley with you. David is not talking about a sheep who wandered off on his own and did his own thing. No, he's talking about a sheep who's right by the shepherd. And yet he's finding himself in the valley. And it tells us that sometimes shepherds will lead us into the valley. In fact, we know this to be true even in the Middle East where this context is written that on days where it was very hot, like has it not been super hot the last few days? Yeah, has it not been crazy, right? On days when it's hot like it's been lately, the shepherds would take the sheep down into the ravine. Why? Because there would be shade. They would be taking them out of the sun. Now, I'm told that the sheep would hate this. They don't like walking downhill and they don't walk like walking into darkness. They don't have the best eyesight. And so they, they're screaming all the way. They're hating it all the way. They, they're stressed out. This journey into the valley gives them stress and anxiety. They're kicking against it. But what is the shepherd actually doing? Do you know that he's leading them to shade? He's leading them to goodness and he's leading them to greener pastures. And church, when I look at my life, I can so relate to that. And maybe you can too, because if I would not take the valleys away from my story. It's so often in the valleys, the, the things of my life that have been the most painful and uncomfortable that I can look back now and I can see, say, thank you, God, for leading me through that valley, because that's where you strengthened me. You taught me about who you are in ways I could not have learned on the mountaintops. God, it was in those valley experiences you strengthened me. God, it's in those valley experiences you refined my character. You showed me who you truly are. My relationship with you became more personal. And church, I know we sometimes we're kicking against, we're going downhill, it's getting dark and it's uncomfortable. But I want to tell you that if the shepherd's leading you into the valley, he's going to turn all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that is you. It's you. I know we don't like the valleys, but perhaps he's leading us to something better. Verse 4 tells us that this valley is so dark that some of the Bible translations say it's a valley of the shadow of death. This is why this psalm has so often been linked to death, so often been linked to funerals and funeral ceremonies. But this valley of the shadow of death, it's not called the valley of death, just a shadow of death. And in the Hebrew, that was a metaphor for gloom and despair and issues and troubles. He's saying, when, even though I walk through the valley of those troubles, through the valley when things are not working out, the, the valley of calamity, the shadow of death. Now, how many of you know a shadow cannot hurt you? Can the shadow of a dog bite you? Can the shadow of a knife cut you? So what does the shadow of death do? It doesn't touch you, church. You know why? Because even in death, you and I have victory. Scripture tells us that even in death, it's lost its sting. There is no sting in death anymore. It's just a shadow for us, right? And David says, when I walk in this dark time, the time of darkness where the shadow of death is even of power me, he says these words, I will not fear. 
You know why? Because I'm not alone in this. The shepherd has led me here. The shepherd is still with me. I trust the shepherd. I trust him. And maybe for some of us, that is to become our declaration. When we fear, maybe we need to just quote some of this from Psalm 23. Lord, I will not fear for you are with me. You are with me. In fact, David goes on. He expands on that. And he shows us that because we have a shepherd with us in the valley, we have protection. Everyone say protection. I will not fear. I have the protection of my shepherd. Now, can I just say, when I look around us at the world, and I'm sure you would agree with me, fear is rampant. Like fear is everywhere. Everyone's worried about the next thing that could be happening. Right, they're worried about the next pandemic, or they're worried about the economy, or we're worried about our government, or we're worried about load shedding, or we're worried about that war and that UFO and all the aliens coming. We don't know. Like, there's just worry and there's fear, like, everywhere, right? Fear is rampant. But what David shows us is that when I'm walking into this valley, when I truly believe I'm not alone, that the shepherd is close to me, now I have no Fear, the shepherd removes fear because he will protect me. And that's a great confession for you and I to make. I will not fear, for you are with me. Perhaps some of you, that can be your homework for today. To this week, just go meditate on that verse. I will not fear, the shepherd is with me. He's with me. In Psalm 112 verse 7, it says, and it's talking about the righteous people of God. It says, they do not fear bad news. Isn't that good? They confidently trust the Lord to take care of them. Oh, I love that. Confidently trust. I do not fear bad news. David says, not only do I find protection when I follow the shepherd into the valley, but he goes on to say in Psalm 23 verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Now, you might read that and say, well, how does a rod and staff Bring comfort, because maybe there's other ways you find comfort in this world. Maybe you find comfort in, you know, ice cream and pizza. And you're like, how does it? Maybe you find comfort in a good blanket and a polo, and you want to lie down. And you're like, how does a rod and a staff comfort me? Well, let me remind you, David is writing this from the perspective of a sheep in relation to his shepherd, looking at his shepherd. And as he looks at his shepherd, what does he see the shepherd has? A rod and a staff. A rod would be the shortest stick, a little bit like a club. You can think a little bit in the shape of a baseball bat, always worn around the belt of the shepherd with some nails in it. It was never used on the sheep. It was not for the sheep. This rod was used to protect the sheep against the coming wolves or the bears or the lions that might come and attack it. And so you can imagine this little sheep looking at a shepherd and he knows if there's anything out there to get me, it's okay because they have to go through the shepherd first. And my shepherd has a rod. It was said that these things could be pretty powerful weapons that shepherds would even be able to throw them from a distance like David did with the sling and Goliath, right? So you have the sheep looking at the shepherd saying, God, I know there's danger around. And I know there's enemies out there. I know there's things that are out to get me, but I have a shepherd who protects me. You know, in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we're told that, that we should stay alert, it says. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And for a lot of people, they kind of just focus on that and they're like, oh, the devil, the devil, the devil this and the devil that. And it reminds you, yeah, 
He is a roaring lion, but he has to get through your shepherd to get to you. Right? He's got it. And even if the shepherd allows some turmoil and some things to come, you've got to know that there's got, always going to be a purpose behind that pain. You have a shepherd who protects you with his rod. I hope that brings you some comfort. But he doesn't just have a rod. He has a staff. Everyone says staff. We kind of know what a staff, a shepherd's staff looks like. That's a typical long, thinnest stick with often with a hook on one side. And this hook would fit perfectly around a sheep's neck. Right, to be able to pull it back on its feet, to get it back in line, to guide it a little bit better because there are some, some common problem with sheep. One of the most common problems with a sheep is that a sheep can get cast, C-A-S-T. That's when a sh- sheep is eaten a lot and they go off to sleep and they can lie down in a little bit of like a pit or depression, right? And, and if they're not careful, their legs can slip out from underneath them. And they can find themselves lying on their back with, you know, their four legs out. And they can't get up. And if they stay there for too long, the gases in their stomach can start to cause issues. And eventually they can be suffocated by their own gases and die. Right? And so what we see is these little sheep who just eat too much end up, they're too well fed for their own good. And it cuts them off at the legs. Literally, they can't get up on their feet. They get stale and stagnant by their own food. Not only that, but we see another thing that often can happen is if a sheep hasn't been shorn, if it hasn't had its will uh, sheared off it, that it can get so heavy for its own good, too heavy for its own good, in fact, that if it falls, it can't get back up. And that's why it needs a shepherd to regularly take off that will so that it can walk around and be free. And so how does this relate to us, you and me, spiritually? Well, first of all, as sheep... We don't want to get so well fed and so fat spiritually that it actually stalls us. That we're too fat spiritually for our own good because we're not doing anything with everything that we're feeding off. In other words, we're not serving people. We're not active in the kingdom. We're just sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm. Right? We're just eating us. We're just eating spiritually. We're not doing anything for the kingdom. Well, that can trip you up. You can get stalled spiritually by being inactive. And also all the good things that's growing, all the good fruit that's growing in your life. If you're not actively giving and blessing people and trying to give things away that God is giving to you, it can weigh you down so much that you get stored spiritually. I believe some of you right now are in a spiritual rut. You feel stored. Being walking with God, you say, God, I can't even get back up on my feet. I don't know how to do it. I'm here. I feel like that sheep. I'm lying down. My four legs are up in the air. And I'm like, ah, help. Well, here's a good news, church. Your shepherd has a staff. You know what he's going to do with that staff? He can get you back on your feet when you can't do it yourself. He uses that staff, puts it around your neck and says, come here. Let me get you back on your feet. Let's get you active again. Right? Let me me share some of the will of the stuff that I've given you. Let's use it for someone else. Let's use it for another purpose. So that we can be active again. And so as a sheep, he's looking at a shepherd with this rod around his belt and his staff in his hand. And he knows no matter the enemy that's coming to get me and no matter what happens to me, even when I mess up, I have a shepherd with a staff. And when I realize who he is in my life, even in the valley, you know what that does? It gives me comfort knowing who he is. And then David moves out of the valley. We've seen him go from the field now into the valley. And for the first time in verse five, he moves indoors 
to the table. Everyone say the table. He says in Psalm 23 verse 5, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to sit at a table in the presence of my enemies. And I don't know about you, but I've always found that pretty weird. Isn't that like an odd statement? Because when we think of a good shepherd, what do we think of? Well, someone is going to take away the enemies. Right? Like, why are you seating me by the enemies? Like, surely if you were doing a job as a shepherd, I wouldn't have any problems. Like, I wouldn't have any enemies. Why am I seated here at the table? Kind of an odd thing to think about. Because, you know, like, we know what it's like to sit at a table with people that we like. I mean, come on, there's nothing better than a good gayer or like a braai or a good breakfast, right? And you're there and can smell the bacon and the eggs and you like the people you're looking at. Isn't it nice? And you're having a, you're chatting and you feel like you can trust them and you're not overthinking, oh, am I saying the right things? And is this going to be used against me? Or what are they thinking about me? You're just yourself and you're relaxed. Isn't that nice? It's like a taste of heaven. But David's reminding us that as long as you're in this earth, you ain't in heaven. And as long as you're here, guess what you're going to have? Enemies. Anyway, I don't know what your enemies could be. Spiritual enemies, physical enemies, things that you feel are out to get you. And then the Lord says, I will seat you at the table with your enemies. And you know what this shows us? I just think it's so beautiful. That when you and I follow the shepherd, you know what we get from the shepherd? Is satisfaction. Everyone say satisfaction. This is a blessing from following the shepherd. In other words, listen to this church. You don't have to wait until every battle is won before you enjoy life. You can sit in the presence of your enemies and you can eat. You can almost imagine God saying, hey, my child, I know you're surrounded by enemies. There's issues. There's things going wrong. But right now in this moment, I want you to enjoy this life. Right now, I want you to enjoy this moment. I want you to eat and I want to sustain you and I want you to be satisfied in your soul. And yes, there's enemies, there's issues. We're going to get to those. But right now, you don't have to wait until every enemy is defeated for you to enjoy life. You can sit at the table in the presence of your enemies. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> Satisfaction in our life does not come from having a table with no enemies. And for some of us, that's what we're waiting for. God, I'll enjoy this life when those issues are gone. When that enemy is defeated, when the thing that's over me is gone, God, that's when I will enjoy this life. But actually God's saying, no, I want to seat you at the table in their presence. Enjoy life now. Eat now. Be satisfied now. The battle can be won. It doesn't mean you don't live today. Live today. Satisfaction comes from the shepherd. Then he says, in this setting, at this table, while I'm surrounded by these enemies, eating at the table. In Psalm 23 verse 5 it says, and he anoints my head with oil. I love this because this oil always in Scripture speaks of the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that as we seated with our issues around us, enjoying life, the shepherd sends the Spirit of God to anoint us, to anoint our heads with oil. This anointing talks about the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, no matter what we're facing. Now, in this context, we know that shepherds would often anoint the sheep's head with oil. They would use olive oil to anoint their heads because olive oil was plenty. And this olive oil would be poured on their heads for different reasons. One of the reasons is there's lots of bugs in the Middle East. Lots of little insects. And so they would pour this oil in a, in a way to deter the insects. But also, 
If they found that the insects had already bitten and the sores had become infected or infested, the oil would be used like as a soothing balm over all their pain. And I'll kind of wonder spiritually, like, how would you relate to that? What are the spiritual insects? You know what those are? Those little things that just always irritate you and they're always in your life. Like this jealousy. I'm always struggling with jealousy, right? Just always angry in traffic. Like, I'm always like, what just this little bit of lust. It just never seems to go away. Like, like what are those spiritual insects that keep coming to just, this is bugging you and you feel like you're just spending your life and it's irritating. Like it's probably the worst time in the world trying to fall asleep and you right this one, I put on the light and I'm like, action mode, you are going to die tonight. You are dying, right? Spiritually, sometimes we have these little insects and they're, they're buzzing around our ears and we're so irritated by them. And we're irritated with ourselves and we're still struggling with these insects. Well, he has this beauty that the Holy Spirit wants to pour on you an anointing oil to say, hey, I'm going to help you where you're unable to do this. I want to do this for you on your behalf. I want to come and give you the strength. I want to come and I want to anoint your head with oil so that these little things that have been issues in your life are no longer going to be issues. But there's a second thing that I find quite funny that the shepherds would use this oil for. And it's for all the rams, all the, the male sheep. I don't know if you've ever watched those documentaries where the male sheep would often bump heads, right? They would like pick a fight and they would look at each other and then they'd put their heads down and they'd run towards each other with all their might, right? In the hopes that they're just going to be like, I'm going to take you down. Today you're dying, right? I'm going to, we're butting heads with each other all the time. Now, I'm told that if the shepherds knew of sheep that were competitive and argumentative and we're going to get into a fight. They would actually anoint their horns with oil. And you know why they would do that? It's so that as the rams, you can imagine, they think they're going to hurt each other, but now their horns are all slick and oily. And so as they ram each other, they would just slide right off each other, right? And so you just think of that even in a church context where we have brothers and sisters guys, you hang around long enough, we will be fighting. Like there will be conflict. The people in this room are going to get on your nerves. There will be people, if you hang around people long enough, that you will want to butt heads with, I guarantee it. But look how the Holy Spirit can play a role in our conflict. I think maybe what we should start doing on a Sunday is stand at the doors and the usher teams, we can give them oil. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? And anyone super grumpy or looks like they're competitive or argumentative, we're just going to be like, hey, brother, let me just come and anoint you with oil. She's going to come anoint you with oil like as a sign. What it shows is that the Holy Spirit can actually come even in our conflict. He can even help what maybe could be this massive thing where we're going to really take each other out and we're going to you know, walk away wounded. We're going to walk away from the situation bumping heads. Uh, I've got things in my heart against you now and you've got things against me that actually that the Holy Spirit is able to even in our conflict and strife bring a measure of peace. And I pray that he would for all the competitive sheep that are here, all the rams, the spiritual rams, that he would anoint our horns with oil so that where we want to bump heads, we would just slide off each other and walk away in peace. The Holy Spirit wants to do that. And, and just look at where he's seated. He's seated at the table in the presence of his enemies. All the people he wants to bump heads with, right? And what's the Holy Spirit doing? I'm going to anoint you now 
where, there sh- where, where you think there will be conflict, may there be peace. Where you think you're going to bump heads, may there be reconciliation with those people. And so as you and I sit at the table, we find anointing. And then he says in Psalm 23 verse 5, my cup overflows. It overflows. You know what that speaks of? Abundance. Everyone say abundance. My cup overflows. I, I find this beautiful because in the beginning of the psalm, we're told that I'll have no lack, that I'll have everything I need. And having everything I need, it's beautiful because that means my cup is filled to the brim. And that's great, but how, I, how many of you know it's even better when it's overflowing? When it's like, I have everything I need. Do you know that there's going to be things that God, He gives you in abundance. Why? So that there will be an overflow. In other words, your life will start to affect others because things will be flowing out of you and onto them. There will be overflow where he will give you an overflow of peace so that people will come to you who are in fear and anxiety and find a measure of peace from you. He'll give you an overflow of joy so that your joy may overflow. He'll give you an overflow of wisdom so they'll come seek you out for counsel because there's an overflow. He might even give you an overflow of prosperity so you can... Be a helping hand for those in physical need. I don't know what it might be, but there are times where God overflows our cup, not so that you can try to gather that all together, but no, so that you can overflow onto other lives. It turns out, I know for the pessimist, your cup is half empty. And for the optimist, your cup is half full. But for the believer, your cup is overflowing. It is overflowing, right? And I just love this, just as a side note. Like, I love that the enemy gets to watch this. The enemy gets to watch as your cup overflows, right? Plenty. God wants to give you in abundance. David goes on in Psalm 23, verse 6. He says, surely, everyone say surely. Surely. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so now, David, he's not just talking about where he's been or where he's at. He's starting to make a declaration about where he's heading, about his future. And he can look back at his past and say, God, you haven't let me down yet. God, you've never left me yet. You were always there. So as I assess my life and I can look back at those valleys and say, God, I couldn't see you when I was in them, but I see you now. I couldn't see your activity in that tragedy, but I see your fingerprints everywhere now. As I look back and God, I see you. You were always there. You were always in control. You've never let me down. I can look forward in my life and say, surely then goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because that is, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just basing that on the track record. I'm basing that on, on your faithfulness at all times. I know I can look ahead. And so we can make this faith declaration. And I want to encourage you to do the same, especially if you're finding yourself in the valley and you are despondent and you are down and, and the wind has been knocked out of you and, and maybe your mouth is full of negativity to be able to take these words of David and look forward and say, surely goodness and mercy. You know what that brings us? It's confidence in God's goodness. Everyone say confidence. Well, I'm going to be confident in the goodness of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Not because there are no enemies at my table. I can see them with my own eyes. Not because I haven't walked through valleys. I've just come out of one. Not because life is good, but I know surely goodness and mercy will follow me because a shepherd is always with me and he is goodness and he is mercy and he will follow me all the days of my life. He's never let me down. He never will again. He never will. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And then he ends with this statement. Psalm 23 verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it shows us a promise. Do you know when you and I follow the shepherd, not only do we find in him protection and comfort, not only do we find in him anointing, when you and I follow the shepherd, we find salvation. There is salvation. In other words, as we follow him, we don't just follow him about all the good things that happen in this life, but we have confidence and assurance about what happens in the next. That I know that that thing called death is just a shadow, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord for all time. I, will, I have confidence in my eternity. I have confidence in my salvation because I'm following the good shepherd. And so church, I want to remind you, in your story, there will be valleys. And at your table, there might be some enemies. But at your side is a shepherd. No matter what you're going through, at your side is a shepherd. And this is a shepherd who wants to give you protection and comfort, satisfaction and anointing, abundance and confidence, so that you and I can live for eternity in our salvation. Amen. I want to pray for you wherever you are. Can you close your eyes? Father God, you know every single person right now who's in the valley. You know every single one who's seated at the table. They're living with their enemies, surrounded by them, Father. God, you know the detail of their situation. You know the extent of their pain. And so right now, just in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you, Good Shepherd, that you are with me. You are with us, so we will fear no evil. God, I thank you that even in the valley, there is protection and comfort. That even at that table, there is satisfaction. We don't have to wait for every battle to be won, but we can enjoy life now, God, even at the table of our enemies, that there's satisfaction in you. There's confidence in you. There's anointing in you, God. There's abundance in you. I thank you, Father God. So for every person, God, who's struggling with fear and worry and anxiety, who everyone who's being attacked by the lion and the bear and the wills and the insects, thank you, God, that we will not fear. We will not fear. In fact, maybe you want to just make that a prayer of yours, if that's you in the valley, if that's you at the table today. You might just want to say, God, I will not fear, for you are with me. You are with me. Father, I want to thank you that as we rely on you and trust you as our shepherd, that you lead us to good things, that you're a good shepherd who takes care of your sheep. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Wherever you are right now, I want to invite you to just stand to your feet. And I want to read the psalm of you one more time, and I pray it has new meaning for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside the peaceful streams, and he renews my strength. 
He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely, surely, surely your goodness and your unfading love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever.